0: Today I'll be talking about the seven sapurisa dhamma. The sapurisa, sapurisa dhamma are the dhammas or the qualities, the virtues of a cultured, a civilized, a good-natured person. You may translate as good fellow. Samaritan. Sa means good or well behaved or cultured or easy going. Uh, not here, it doesn't mean easy going here, it means um, well behaved. Well civil- civilized, I guess, is the best word here. Civilized individual. A gentleman would be the English translation. Purisa, purisa means man. But here, of course, it's the same as we used to use in English. We used to say man, man for everyone. So in, in the time of the Buddha, it was the same. They used the word man for just about everyone. It could mean women as well, of course. So the word gentleman is, means uh, a, a cultured, a civilized individual. So this is sort of the Lord Buddha's teaching on, we say it's, it's on social science or on uh, etiquette uh, modern manners or on how to behave well or how to live one's life well in society it's sort of a way to to determine whether someone is a well behaved a civilized, a cultured individual or whether they're just an ordinary uh, poor mannered uh, bore, I say. Someone without manners, someone without education, without etiquette, without without uh, culture, an uncultured individual. And so the Lord Buddha's measure was these seven things, which we call the Sapuri Satam. And these are in Pali, <coughs> with English translation The Pali is Dhammanyutta uh, One knows. The truth or the Dhamma, reality. Number two, Atanyutta, one knows the meaning or knows what is the meaning of of the truth. Three, Atanyutta, one knows oneself. Four, Matanyutta, one knows moderation. Number five, One knows uh, knows in regards to time, knows the right time, has understanding in regards to time. Number six, pukala One is able to discriminate between individuals. And seven, parisanyutta. One understands. In regards to companies, in regards to groups, in regards to just different uh, social groups. These seven things are sort of what makes up our understanding of how to interact with society and how to live our lives as a cultured or as a well-behaved individual from a Buddhist point of view. And it also directly relates to the meditation, so this isn't simply about uh, how to interact with society. It's about how to live our lives and how to approach reality, how to approach the, the experience of the world, which we ha- have at every moment. So it can, can be interpreted on different levels. For instance, the first one, Dhammanyutta, means understanding the truth or reality. This is most important. Truth means here, dhamma means anything that is real, it means reality, realities you could say, all various types of realities. So it means being able to understand which what are good things and what are bad things. You understand that uh, anger is unwholesome. Uh, you understand, or even just understanding about all the different all different different kinds of reality. So it means understanding uh, about the physical reality. It means understanding about mental reality. This is most important because this is where all of our emotions, all of our mental states are. When we get angry, it's a reality. There's a, it's a part of reality. And part of being a cultured individual is understanding things like anger. It means not just following after our emotions. It means understanding these things knowing what is truth and what is not truth. For instance, understanding that anger is real, but I, when we say, I am angry, this is only a concept. When we say, I am an angry individual, this is only a view. This is only our opinion, our understanding is that this is a part of me. <laughs> or we can say, you made me angry. Or I des- I, you deserve to, to, for me to get angry at you. You deserve to be hurt. You deserve punishment. You know, I, I am rightful to get angry. I am right to be angry at you. I am right to be angry. And we have all these ideas. When we, an ordinary individual would just take things in this way. So when they get angry, they feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really angry at you. And they don't think about trying to get, get rid of the anger. They think of trying to get back at the person or the thing that made them angry. Uh, A cultured individual is someone who uh, tries to understand the reality and tries to uh, make themselves a better person, not trying to change the world around them. So we don't yell at uh, why the reason why people don't yell and scream and do this and do that, all sorts of unwholesome deeds, is because they understand these things and they understand the consequences. When you do this, when you when you yell at someone, it's it makes you look bad. When you yell at someone, it makes them. Suffer. When you yell at someone, it makes them angry at you in return. When you yell at someone, it makes you feel bad, it makes you feel guilty, and so on. When you yell at someone, it creates more angry, it makes you an angry person, and so on. All of these understandings are, means understanding the Dhamma. And the second one is understanding the meaning of the Dhamma. So these two go hand in hand. And the difference is, for instance, you understand uh, what are good things. And then you understand what are bad things. When someone tells you, you know, uh, love and kindness is a good thing, anger is a bad thing, this is understanding the dhammas, understanding the realities. But then the atta is the meaning, it's understanding, well, what is it, why is it that love is a good, that kindness is a good thing, loving kindness, or compassion, uh, or... uh, why is mindfulness a good thing so we hear about mindfulness and we hear it said that it's a good thing knowing that is, is good for us but atanyutta means understanding why is it good for us understanding the meaning behind it or it means understanding uh, the meaning of all of these uh, different teachings of the Lord Buddha but here specifically it means understanding the, why things are are wholesome or unwholesome why things are good and why things are bad So, for instance, we understand that anger is a bad thing for all of the reasons I explained, because it makes us look bad as a very shallow reason, because it makes people upset as a better reason, because it makes them angry at us and want to get revenge as an even better reason, and simply because it makes us feel bad, makes us feel guilty, makes us feel upset as a really good reason. And the best reason is that it makes us more angry, and it leaves a scar on who we are, and it changes who we are as we do bad things and say bad things. And when we extend love to other people, we feel good. They feel good. Uh, They remember us. They want to help us. They want to do good things for us. And our minds become pure. Our minds become clear and so on. When we have mindfulness, it's even better because it helps us to understand all of the good things and bad things inside and understand why they are good and why they are bad. It's easy for us to explain about these things and sort of get a feeling, oh yeah, yeah, so anger's not good. But simply because we, we've we heard that it's not good doesn't mean that we're not going to get angry anymore. Because we we think we understand it, but what happens is we just have this thought that sounds good. We haven't really experienced for ourselves the disadvantages of things like anger. But when you have mindfulness and you focus and you say, angry, 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 or so on, you, you understand really that anger, and truly that anger is not a good thing. And No one has to tell you and no one has to explain to you and it's very clear to you the disadvantages of getting angry. So this is understanding the meaning or understanding the, the higher atta, the higher um, core essence of, of the Buddhist teaching. These are the first two. This, the third one is understanding yourself. So on the, level, on the level of society, it means understanding who we are and our place in society, you know, in regards to our parents, Understanding responsibilities we have towards our parents, and you know I am the the son or the daughter and and I have a responsibility towards my parents, and we have some sort of responsibility generally to our parents because of all the good that they've done to us, and this is something we generally forget i mean they've they've had their wishes placed in us for all of our lives, you know hoping that we'd be happy and we'd be well off and we'd do uh, good things and they've given us so much. And so we have some kind of responsibility to live our lives and to uh, be a, make our lives worthwhile and to do things to uh, further ourselves and develop ourselves. The thing that makes our parents most happy is not that, we, not that we give them things, not that we somehow try to pay them back monetarily. That rarely, if ever, makes, makes parents truly happy. There was once a woman who, uh, she came to practice meditation with me, and at first she didn't want to say it, but after a while she told me she, she was a prostitute. And she was doing it for her mother. And I said to her, I said, do you really think it's making, it would make your mother happy if she knew that you were a prostitute? <laughs> and, I said, and she said, no. And I said, well, do you think money is really going to make her happy? And she said, no. I said, do you think if you were happy she would be happy? And she said, yes. And so she she really thought about this and she decided to change her life, that she wouldn't go on and do this anymore. Of course, our parents want us to, to develop ourselves, to want to see that we are on the right path. Uh, and sometimes we can even show them what is the right path. When we get on a path or gain understanding that they don't have, we can actually become... Teachers of our parents—not that we go out and and, and try to lecture them—but when they see us as an example, they want to follow something they've never realized before. We can actually then we can truly pay our parents back if we help them to get on the right path. This is an example, but it means understanding our role in life, understanding who we are. Uh, for example, with monks, it's a clear example. With monks, we have to sit according to seniority. So the example they give is. You know, Knowing yourself is knowing not to sit in front of the senior monks, you know, not to sit behind junior monks. But this sort of applies in, in society as well, understanding that you're the employee and not yelling or, or uh, getting you know, uh, all haughty towards your boss. And this is useful because it, it, it allows us to keep our job and so on. When we're angry at our boss, knowing how to keep it, uh, keep a lid on it and so on. Understanding our place when we have teachers and not getting angry or, or uh, uh, disdaining our teachers, having respect and uh, gratitude for our teachers. Even they might be getting paid if we're in school, they might be getting money for it. But we, th- we simply think that these people are giving us something, they're giving us knowledge. And so we, we don't have to think about the fact that they're getting paid. This is a problem in the West usually because... Most of the teachers in public school, high school, university, they get very well, they're, they're actually generally quite well paid. So the students often have very little respect for them. But this, this shouldn't be the way we take things. If, if we're the student, you know, we're there to learn. This person is giving us the highest gift, which is knowledge. And so we take it like that and we understand our role as a student and we try to make their job easier for them because then they'll want to teach us. Then they'll even give us extra teaching. They'll they'll give us the best teaching they can. They'll feel comfortable teaching us. Otherwise, it's unlikely that we're we're going to learn anything if we're always rude and uh, unconsiderate towards our teachers. As an example, understanding our place in every situation, uh, knowing what, what, what we're supposed to do in every situation. This is on a very shallow level. But as we get deeper, we understand that actually the meditation comes into play here. Understanding oneself is understanding what one is doing and what is one is receiving from the outside world at every moment. So when you're in a situation where someone is yelling or is angry or so on, being able to stay calm, understanding your own emotions, feeling your own anger come up. When you see something you want, feeling your own desire come up. And being able to stay calm, being able to keep your cool uh, at all times. This means understanding yourself, understanding what you're doing and what's happening. So normally when you get, we get angry, we right away yell and say bad things and do bad things or want to hurt other people. You know, when, we, when, we de- when we are cultured individuals, when we develop ourselves, civilization, is a, it's the sign of civilization is that we're able, to, um, we're able to keep a lid on it and we're able to know and be in time to stop ourselves from doing bad things or saying bad things and so on. And even understanding our own minds, keeping our minds from giving rise to these bad things, these bad emotions. So when we hear things, we can just say, hearing, hearing. Even if it's angry or, or, or bitter words, we can just say to ourselves, hearing, hearing. If someone's yelling at us, for instance. Or if someone's doing something we don't like, we can say, uh, angry, angry. If we see, just say, seeing, seeing. But when the emotions arise, also catching them and being aware of them and not letting them lead us to do bad things, or say bad things, and so on. This is number th- number three, knowing ourselves. Uh, knowing all about ourselves, you know, what we're doing, what's happening inside of ourselves, and also understanding our place in life. Number four is matanyutta, understanding moderation. Knowing moderation in all things. You know, the, the general example is knowing moderation in food, and it's amazing how, how important food actually is in a spiritual life. You can see this is uh, understood in many spiritual practices, and in Buddhism it's very much understood as well. You know, we take food to be a very important part of, of spiritual life or religious life. And it doesn't mean not eating this or not eating that, it means eating enough. Buddhism, the, re- the religious aspect of, of food in Buddhism, is, is knowing enough. It doesn't matter that you have to eat this or this or not eat that or that. It means if you eat too much, uh, this is where the problems start to come in. See, if you get picky about what you're eating and so on and so on, then you start to have to uh, have to worry and have to have to uh, think a lot about what's what you're going to eat and what you're going to get and you have to try to get the right foods and so on. But if you just eat enough to survive, then it's actually amazing how little you have to worry about food. You can take whatever... You can eat a lot of food that other people can't eat. If you eat, say, one meal a day in the morning, it's amazing the things you can eat that other people can't. You can eat ice cream, you can eat donuts, you can eat really whatever you want, because in the end, none of it's going to be there by the, by the end of the day. You're only eating once. Uh, and I mean, it doesn't mean you can go overboard, but it means if you eat in moderation, this this is a very important part of, of uh, your freedom and your... Uh, ability to stay at peace and, and unconcerned with such uh, trivialities like uh, finding food or finding the right food or avoiding this food, avoiding that food, and you find that your digestive system works much better, and you're so on, you're free from so many illnesses. So food is a very important part. Knowing moderation in food, this is uh, something we often miss when we approach Buddhism. Is the importance of. Uh, of knowing moderation in food, not eating too little, not eating too much. But it can be moderation in all things, understanding moderation in sensual pleasures, for instance. Now when it comes right down to it, when we're in meditation, we have to give up all sensual pleasures. But for ordinary people living their lives, uh, at the very least, we have to moderate these things. You know, so we have to moderate music or entertainment or uh, even... Mm. all sorts of all sorts of uh, diversions that we have i guess things like movies or uh, going to see shows or even talking with other people or of course sexual activity this we have these things we have to moderate because they're very they're incredibly addictive and as we uh, indulge again and again and again these things become uh, something that we need they become a uh, an addiction for us It can also mean moderation in meditation practice. Uh, Sometimes people get a little bit off track thinking that they have to walk walk and sit, walk and sit, walk and sit, walk and sit for many, many hours a day. And this can be useful at times, but it actually can be detrimental if it goes overboard, if we push ourselves beyond our limits. And so we have to know moderation here as well. We have to understand that it's not necessary to do formal meditation practice all day. It's necessary to be mindful all the time, but we can do this when we're taking a break. And we should try to take, a, take breaks. We shouldn't try to slowly increase the amount of time we do meditation practice. And when, it, when we start to get stressed, or when we start to get overexerted, we have to step back and take a break, sit comfortably, go for a walk, go to the washroom or so on, have a cup of tea or so on. This can be quite useful in bringing the mind back to its natural state if we've gotten off track, for instance. So this is number four, understanding moderation. Number five is understanding time. Understanding time in on a superficial level in everyday life uh, situation, it means understanding uh, understanding the right time to do things. Uh, it means being on time for things. It means uh, understanding good lengths of time. You know, when you have to give talks, not talking too much. It means things like practicing meditation. When we practice meditation, not meditating for too long of a time, not meditating for too short of a time, not getting involved in things that waste our time, uh, understanding the importance of time, and the importance of the opportunity that we have to come and practice meditation, not wasting this time that we have. We have a very short time, and understanding that it's a very short time, even the time we have left on this earth, uh, it could be very short. We don't any of us know when, when, how much longer we have. And understanding this is very important to help us to continue to practice. Uh, understanding when is the right time to to do this, to do that. Understanding um, being able to organize our time. And this is an important sign of uh, a civilized individual. And we can see this when people are late. Everyone gets angry. Or so on. When uh, people you know take too long for something, people get upset, they think of this person who doesn't, doesn't understand uh, in regards to how, how long or how, how much time to take, for instance. On a meditative level, I think there's another important aspect of time which, which plays a very integral part of Buddhist meditation practice. Understanding time means understanding the difference between the different modes of time. The different uh, time frames, or the different uh, different times, we have three times in Buddhism. This is the past, the present, and the future. Understanding the difference between the past, the present, and the future in regards to the present moment. Understanding the present moment. Understanding uh, that all there is in this in reality is the present moment. Understanding when our mind is going off into the past and seeing it simply as a thought that arises in the present moment. Not getting caught up in the past. And the most important understanding of time that we can have is uh, keeping our mi- the ability to keep our minds in the present moment. The understanding of reality as being the present moment. And this practice of not letting our minds wander off into the past. Understanding about the past, that it's already gone. As the Lord Buddha said... Yadati tang tang What is in the past is gone already. Apatanca uh, anagatang Which in the future hasn't come yet. Understanding in this way is so that when we when we focus on, on our meditation that we're actually in the present moment. So when we walk in meditation step being right, step being left we're actually saying to ourselves step being right as the foot is mov- moving. So we're not thinking about something in the past we're not thinking about something in the future. We're aware of the thing as it happens, and our mind is with the motion as it happens. When we sit, then we say rising, falling, all exactly the same. Being able to see things in the present moment, not letting our minds go back to the past or worry about the future. This is very important in our lives as well. You can see people destroy themselves by worrying about the future, create so much stress and suffering simply by worrying or, or mourning about the past, about stressing over the future. Uh, and so this is a sign that these people have more work to do, that these people are lacking something. And this is kalanyutta, the understanding about uh, these, these frames of time, that the past is, is gone and the future hasn't come, and so on. So this is number five. Number six is understanding in regards to various individuals. Uh, this is an important one in regards to our understanding about who we who we should uh, associate with. Being able to see the difference between people who are on the right path and who are on the wrong path. Being able to see the difference between people who are going to be a support for our own development and people who are going to be a detriment. People who are going to lead us in the wrong path or waste our time. People who are going to... Um, give us a bad name as a sh- one sort of shallow example. Uh, people who are going to uh, maybe make it difficult sometimes just by associating with the wrong people it makes it difficult for the right people to come and associate with you. you know, if, if your friends are all uh, on the wrong path it's very difficult for you to find good people and to meet and to share uh, with good people. Because of your association, so we, this is something we sometimes don't understand. That simply because we call someone a friend doesn't mean it's it's actually beneficial for either of us our relationship. Sometimes even we have to back off and we have to say that say to ourselves that this person, our association with them in this way, is not beneficial for either of us. We're just leading our, each other down the wrong path. Often, really, the 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 most useful thing for us when we're training in meditation is to not get involved with anybody. But here it it specifically means understanding uh, differences in regards to to individuals. So when someone's on a level where they can't really understand things like meditation or mental development, we have to be able to deal with them in a certain way. Uh, We can't go in and, and talk with them about all of these higher things. We have to understand the level that they're on. This is what is meant by understanding how to deal with different types of people. And when people are, are well-developed meditators, understanding you know, to, go, to go to talk with them and to ask questions and to understand which people we should uh, ask advice from. Sometimes people, they just look at a monk and they see that he's wearing robes and they think immediately he must be wise, he must understand everything. We have to be m- more careful than that, and we have to actually look at the person behind the robes, for instance. And in all cases, when we approach people and we hear that this person is a meditation teacher, this person's the, a monk, and so on, we shouldn't just immediately assume that that means that anything, we, anything they tell us is going to be uh, enlightening, is going to be true. And we have to be able to see and to understand uh, the difference between or, or what, uh, what makes a person A a good teacher, for instance, and the final one is understanding companies, different companies, and this means understanding how to act in various societies. Uh, So when we are dealing with, um, you know, this American people, for instance, versus Thai people, understanding how to deal with uh, older people, understanding how to deal with younger people. Understanding when we go into a so uh, a social circumstance, understanding how to how to live our, how to carry out uh, in various uh, social circles, this is something that we can we can really where we can really see the benefit of meditation practice because often it become it can become quite overwhelming when we have to deal with people in, of high status or, or people you know when we have to meet famous people or we have to meet people are very important, uh, when we have to go to meetings, when we have to uh, go to talk with um, with people of various stature. When we use the meditation practice, we can really watch ourselves and can really keep our own balance. Another thing is sometimes you go into groups of people and they're so unfocused, their minds are so uh, off balance. Sometimes you go into uh, parties, or you, go, you, you, you stumble upon groups of people whose minds are so uh, disturbed and unfocused, distracted, that it can be very disconcerting and you're, you're not sure exactly how to act, and you find yourself following after them and losing your focus as well. Meditation practice is very important when we go out into society. When, we'll wor- when we're at work, for instance, we often realize that all the people around us are s- incredibly stressed and the meditation practice is something which helps us to balance ourselves and pull ourselves away from them, and not have to follow after, after these people. We often find ourselves, it's very easy to, uh, we want to uh, ingratiate ourselves or we want to uh, create a sense of harmony with all of the people around us, and this can, be, uh, this can be very dangerous for our own well-being when we try to harmonize with the people around us and s- say things that makes them happy and so on. Sometimes the best thing is to cut ourselves off from them and to be able to sit back and uh, approach them mindfully. Not approach them on their terms, but approach them on our terms. Uh, And this is often the, the best thing for ourselves and the best thing for the people around us. They're able to use us as a mirror because everything they say, it simply bounces off and we don't take it in. When they say something or when they do something, when they start to act all flustered, that we're able to uh, be mindful and and not let it make us bothered or flustered or upset. And so they have to deal with it themselves and they're able to see the difference between them and us. And they're able to see the disadvantages of their behavior and so on. And we can see through the meditation practice that we can actually change the people around us. We can actually change many situations. This is a very important part of, of our understanding of uh, how to act in, in certain situations in society. And this is a part of what it means to understand, um, understand the various companies, the various groups of people in various societies, and understand, understanding the differences and being able to adapt ourselves to the, uh, to the, to the uh, circumstances. Altogether, these are the things, the Lord Buddha said, which make a person cultured, which make a person a gentleman or a gentlewoman, a lady, you could say, make someone uh, cultured or, or civilized. And it, you can see it has a lot to do with the meditation practice. As we start to practice meditation, our minds become more pure and more adaptable and more in tune with reality. So we're able to understand what is the right thing to do and the right thing to say at, at, at every moment we're able to catch our mistakes. So when we make a mistake, we can see very clearly that that was the wrong thing to do. Why? Because we're here to feel the vibrations. We're here to feel the consequences of our actions. So it's very easy for us to adapt ourselves and to uh, change ourselves and to develop ourselves and, and to become someone who is civilized and cultured and who understands all these things, understands how to react to various, pe- various individuals, various groups, who understands about moderation and time, who understands about themselves and understands about reality. Uh, So these are the altogether the seven things which the Lord Buddha said, the Sapurisa Dhamma. This is the Dhamma that I wanted to impart on this occasion, and that's all for today. So everyone please continue meditating, and we'll see you for reporting at three o'clock.